ever wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. Have you ever considered how your birth impacts you and your beliefs about birth and even how you interact with the world? Did your first moments feel safe, connected, and loved? If you've seen on television how babies are handled in nurseries, my heart always aches as we often treat kittens and puppies with more tenderness and care. Our welcoming into the world matters. My guest today is here to talk with us about the impact of early life on love, sex, pleasure, and procreation, and that it's never too late to heal and create new imprints. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. My guest today is Nicole Moore. She is a mother, a gardener, a performance artist, a poet, and an outspoken, multi-passionate birth nerd. She has lived on an off-grid intentional community in the forest by the sea for the last 20 years, raising her kids and cultivating a deep trust in birth and life. Her mission is to help women and families know what's possible in birth, why it matters, and to help them access a blissful experience for themselves along with all the associated gifts and side effects. Nicole knows in her bones that birth can be beautiful because she's one of the lucky ones who had an incredible, undisturbed birth experiences. She draws on these memories, are imprints every day of her mothering life. Nicole's lived experience of birth as beautiful, bountiful, and full of potential as a doorway to healing along with her 15 years of work with birth imprints via the birth into being method, confirms her belief in birth as a tool for conscious evolution. And I'm so honored because we met through her kind of peer and mentor, Elena Tonetti, when we were just making orgasmic birth into being was so important to me. And so to have you join us today, Nicole, to keep that circle connected, is truly an honor. Welcome. Thank you, Deborah. Yeah, it's an honor to be here too. I also remember watching Orgasmic Birth when I was, you know, a young mom and being very impressed with all of the work that you did putting together, you know, so many viewpoints and really making it palatable for a, a wider audience. It's a wonderful film and a beautiful contribution. I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you so much. And I always know for many of us that have gone on to really work in birth, that this becomes our passion. It often starts with our own experience, as you say, our own coming into the world and then our own giving birth to our children. Could you share just a little bit about that journey and how that led you to do all that you're doing today? Yeah, well, I guess starting with my own entry to life, you know, I'm one of those deep feeling beings that has traversed the edge of that being both a gift and a curse 
and struggling to sort of come to terms with how to be in the world when you have, you know, so much capacity for feeling. And so, of course, by the time I was 16, I was looking for, you know, the meaning of life and happiness and la, 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 la. by the time I was 20, I'd hit the road and I was looking at Eastern philosophies and different ways of understanding the world. Uh, and I traveled for many years and so on, searching for these answers. Didn't necessarily, you know, it was a lot of brain candy, but it didn't necessarily give me all the, the keys and clues that I needed to actually find a lasting happiness. And then, of course, by the time I, you know, I had some good times and made wonderful choices and so on. And by the time I was in my early parenting, I was really being met by my stuff, you know, my, my stuff that had been kind of come into my life when I was a small child. And of course, there's nothing like parenting to show you that, you know, where your trigger points are and what your patterns are around, you know, you know, when the going gets tough, basically, when you're sleep deprived. You're having relationship struggles and, you know, you're kind of searching for like you again after giving so much of yourself to your children. And so that's when I, you know, just immediately after having my babies is when I came across Birth Into Being and the film Birth As We Know It, excerpts of which are in the orgasmic birth film. And yeah, I had amazing births and I was very, you know, privileged in that. I was very held by my beautiful community that I was living in. Lots of women had home birthed before me. So I managed to have my babies, you know, in my off-grid situation. They were both born in a teepee, actually, one in water and one next to the bathtub. And yeah, so I had these amazing births, but I was still, and, and with all that spiritual seeking, I was still looking for answers. And yeah, so whilst I was deeply informed by my births, have continued to be, it does definitely inform my work because I want those kind of births for every woman, you know, where you have this kind of cataclysmic spiritual experiences that open up your universe and really feed and nurture your soul to know, which we hear again and again from mothers that have had intervention-free birth. If I can do that, can do anything. And to go into your mothering in full power. Yeah, I got all of that. And yet I was still seeking. So when I came across Elena and, and her teachings, it was like the penny dropped about how my own birth was still impacting my life. Yeah. And my actual births, like the strength that I kind of, you know, received. I'm just looking at a picture of my daughter here on my office wall. Oh, I definitely call on that today. My children are now 18 and 21 and... I know, I still believe that if I could give birth to them the way I did, then I can continue to parent them with everything that it takes to be with young adults and just keep choosing love, <laughs> yeah, as they find their independence and assert their autonomy. Yeah. I have it in me to just choose love. So. That's beautiful. And I really love hearing too that you had a community around you, right, of people that had gone before that really held space for you to have that belief in birth, belief in yourself, and to create that sacred, spiritual, blissful birth. And so you've gone on like to tell us more about birth into being, like how has your own journey been 
given rise to that? And what is that? What does it mean to really look at our beginnings and look at our imprints and be intentional? Hmm. Look, the birth into being method is a set of processes and exercises and, you know, kind of a philosophy about that early entry to life that can really help you to understand yourself and also to clear some of the the debris of the past, you know, all those sort of, you know, inhibiting patterns and maybe lack of trust in the world, lack of safety. You know, we weren't all blessed. I certainly wasn't blessed to have a, a beautiful, perfect entry to life. You know, and those patterns that ensue can show up again in your life, you know, in how you do your relationships, how you bring yourself to the world. Are you safe to bring your gifts forward? You know, how many years do you sit on that book idea before you finally birth it into the world? What shows up in your romantic relationships? You know, how many times do you have to live out the same pattern before you say, okay, I've had enough of, you know, reaching this same point and then something happening. A lot of it is unconscious and the birth into being method brings it to consciousness. Ah, there's my imprint. Oh, I can choose differently. And because we do processes around it, it's not just intellectual understanding of the mechanism of imprinting. There's actually inner work to be done that gives you new imprints that are kind of like parallel experiences for your nervous system. And so then when your old imprint does show up, because it doesn't really go away, you're just kind of spiraling through these different layers of, of change. When it does show up, you can kind of go, ah, there you are, my old friend. And I'm going to choose something different this time. And because the processes are very powerful, pivotal experiences, sometimes you can take yourself back with just a few breaths or, you know, we use a lot of movement in our work and, and we use, you know, different keys like words and images that we encourage people to continue to cultivate a relationship with. Then you can go back to your keys and use them to choose a new imprint to say, no, I actually, I am safe. I might be having a disagreement with someone, for example, but I'm safe. My opinion is important too. I'm going to go into this and say, you can sort of live a little bit more gently, you know, without, instead of having these enormous rise and falls, you can just have some little bit more moderate <laughs> movement through your life path. Um, you know, things become smoother and you feel safer and, you know, there's a lot of different ways that understanding and working with your imprints enables flow in your life. And for me, you know, I never imagined myself holding big workshops, teaching things to people and public speaking, doing podcasts. You know, I never saw that in my future. I was an actress, but you know, with scripts, right? Now I do improvised theatre, which is like <laughs> radically unsafe, but I'm comfortable there. And I attribute that to all the work that I've done on my imprints. The way I'm able to show up for, for the birth into being work, you know, talking about it and working with people all over the world, I attribute that because to, to the work that I've done on my imprints, I feel safe. I feel like, you know, this is really important work to share with the world. 
And why should I let any of my own, you know, propensity to smallness get in the way? Ah, that would be a waste. (laughs) Totally a waste. We're so glad that you're really sharing all your gifts in such a beautiful way. So I want to like take you to, I'm sure we have listeners here that are either pregnant or maybe planning a pregnancy. So how can they use the birth into being method? How can they look at those imprints and help them prepare to have a pleasurable birth? Yes. So, you know, I was talking about it in the context of life, but all of that applies to birth as well. You know, we know that when a woman feels safe and trusting in her body, it has a really big impact on her birth outcomes. And so we talk a lot about creating the environment for birth with privacy and having people in your field that, that feel safe. And, but it's also about doing the inner work that makes that possible. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had counsel with women who are struggling because there's somebody that would like to be in their birth space and they don't know how to say no. And I always say, well, this is a fantastic preparation for motherhood because you're going to meet this again. You're going to have like people who interact with your child in a way that you don't feel comfortable with. And you're going to have to say, no, you know, my little darling doesn't want to hug you and that's okay. We don't need to force her or, you know, you're going to have interactions with school teachers or other mums and things like that. You know, you're going to need to step up and be able to hold your own boundaries and So preparing for that as you approach birth is really important, but it can feel like torture. Yeah. When someone, let's say like the mother-in-law, for example, wants to be there and she's being really pushy and she just won't take no for an answer. She's not picking up on any of your subtle cues that actually I don't really want you looking at my yoni as it stretches. Like any of the things that, that are making her, you know, making the mother feel like anxiety over not being able to express herself. This is where, when we go back to our own imprints of life and say, well, you know, how do I find the self-confidence and the self-awareness to say like, it's okay for me to have my own wants and needs in this situation. And in fact, it's integral to what I'm trying to achieve in my birth. You know, if I want to, for example, have a physiological birth, I am going to require my body to receive cues from my psyche to open. In order for my psyche to feel that, I need to feel safe. And that means only the people that I want in my birth space. So that's a classic (laughs) example of, you know, Yeah, really acknowledging what is there in your past that needs to be healed or looked at or strengthened, you know, nurtured in order to be able to make the changes that you want for your birth. The other one is around choice of care provider. You know, like let's say you've somehow ended up with a care provider that doesn't make you feel safe or comfortable or is patronizing or any of the things. You need to change that. Yes. <laughs> and then you've got to find your ovaries to set that. Like, you know, 
I'm sorry, it's not working for me. I'm going to make a change. Maybe you're not feeling the support that you need in your relationship and you need to ask your partner to kind of step up. These are the things that require inner work before we get into labor. Yeah. Do you have any this story that comes to mind? Like patience. That's the other one is that, that big choice that people have to make around birthing in an institution or birthing at home or in some kind of alternative setting. Um, you know, they might be dreaming of a home birth and maybe not able to make that choice. And it's a big one because, you know, as we see so many women let that go in their first birth and then in their second birth is when they say, I'm not going to compromise anymore. I'm actually going to have the birth I wanted the first time. And it's a shame to have to learn the hard way. This is like so beautiful. And I so appreciate, Nicole, how you're saying it shows up for a lot of people in just, and you said, you know, have the ovaries. I have to just say, I love that line, you know, because really everybody has to bring their voice and their choices really matter. So what great preparation to be able to bring that in. But I'm wondering if you have a story of like, someone that you might, you know, keeping them anonymous. But do you have an example of someone that might have come in and through working and really looking at their imprints and, as you said, finding that healing and kind of reframing was able to really use that in making different choices? Oh, absolutely. So a, a recent client of mine who I was working with online in one-to-one -one sessions, you know, throughout her pregnancy, she had such a journey of having an overly medicalized first birth, coming from a family where her mother was a nurse and there were some doctors in the family. And so, you know, as they, she wanted to have a home birth, but as things progressed, there was this risk factor and that risk factor that actually turned out as it sometimes does after the baby is born. It's like, oh no, baby was good size. No, nothing to worry about. But, you know, she had ended up in, in the hospital system and having an overly medicalized pregnancy where she was getting tested every other week. And it really disturbed her peace of mind. So all of that showed up in the birth as well. And she was, you know, kind of devastated. She had a, a fine outcome, still a physiological birth that she had been aiming for. Her sense of well-being throughout the entire pregnancy and in the labor itself were, were not, it wasn't present. She felt disturbed and ripped off by the time she'd given birth. And so second birth, she was adamant, it's not going to happen. And as things progressed, so she started working with me mainly around that issue of having to assert herself with her family. She was very close to her mom and you know, as I said, her mother was a nurse and that sometimes brings a little bit of baggage because there's so much sort of belief in, in the medical system, which, you know, what a blessing that we have it when it's required. We all know that there's a little bit of over-intervention in the Western world around our pregnancies and births. So it has an adverse effect on outcomes. So she was dealing with that again and needing to kind of say to her mum, you know, I love you so much. I can see that this is all happening because of your care and I'm choosing differently this time. So she started working with that, but then all the other things started to show up again, exactly the same 
sort of risk factors of the baby being too small. And there was some very big rabbit holes opened up, you know, and before you knew it, she was actually needing to get tested. Her plans for an, an unassisted birth were being, you know, highly questioned. She was ending up, yeah, needing to really assert herself and hold boundaries around what type of care she was receiving. And it was just like a classic heroine's journey of there is these rabbit holes, there are these dark spaces opening up, there is this need to start researching and researching about this condition that she was presented with, which was all around the size of the baby. And it, again, it turned out not to be true at all. Or rather, she got the warnings and she mitigated it. Like, she was eating macadamia butter. She went on to organ meats for her iron absorption. She was on bone broth instead of cups of tea, reducing all her sugars and caffeine so that she could absorb any of the nutrients that she was taking in. Part her relationship had to shift around the care of the elder child so that she was getting adequate rest. And she, you know, it was just this heroine's journey of like reclaiming her need to prioritize herself. And it was beautiful. And she ended up having a beautiful home birth with support. Partner is on board and the whole relationship has shifted into one of kind of much more shared responsibility. She's in bliss now. She's in postpartum bliss. And she is absolutely feeling that, that beautiful healing of the previous experience as well because she used those transgressions shall we say and transmuted it into part of her journey towards empowerment and she will go on to now be the mother of two that can truly hold her children and yeah it's beautiful and her partner is coming to my workshop here I'm I'm doing a local workshop and she's sending him along or or rather he's choosing to come Um, um, because he's seen the amazing work that she's done and he'd kind of like to work on some of his stuff so that's a, a beautiful story. story. So thank you, because that really brings it to life, right? Really hearing how uh, someone and it impacts her partner and her children that doing this work is so pivotal in your birth and your postpartum and your life. And I have to read this, too, because you and I have definitely a shared affinity for pleasure, right? And you wrote, pleasurable birth is an opportunity to optimize a baby's neurological capacity for pleasure through oxytocin exposure. It creates ease in postpartum and more joy for everyone. Can you talk about that? I always love talking about how pleasure in birth really serves us. Yeah, so... As we know, our babies' brains and entire nervous system are being formed while they're in utero. So the more that a mother has that experience of being safe and held in the world and feeling lots of pleasure and joy in the pregnancy herself, she's actually giving that to the baby. And the wonderful thing is that the baby is taking that in and forming their neural pathways. It's actually creating the pathways and the development of the, you know, of oxytocin, which is both a neurotransmitter and a hormone, the development of that is happening in response to what the mother is feeling. 
And so if she spends her whole pregnancy, you know, tight and stressed and not feeling pleasure and in fact, feeling lots of cortisol and fear running through her system, cortisol being the hormone of stress, the baby is going to have more affinity with that. But with the pleasure, it's like, you know, they learn how to kind of create that in their own bodies. Their their brain is more suggestible to that than to stress. And so that, of course, is a kind of feedback loop that goes from mother to baby, from mother to baby. And it's like that again in the birth where the mother can feel safe and let go into into the pleasure that is there. Because as we know, it's such a peak experience, so many different layers of opening and, you know, not just physiologically, but psychologically as well. You know, I spoke earlier about this, having these transcendent spiritual experiences you know, that feeds the soul in such a beautiful way. And then that goes through into the early postpartum when there's all that, you know, baby gazing and incredible connection where, you know, I I was definitely blessed to experience many moments of just looking at my babies and feeling such like a rush of, of love and oxytocin and to know that, you know, this is what I'm giving them. And they're giving me, and it's just this beautiful feedback loop. And, you know, I would much rather imprint my children with that than with, you know, fear and anxiety and stress. And and it can go into, you know, their early childhood and all this playful joy. And again, it's a feedback loop because, you know, obviously as the adults in the situation, we're holding a lot. And we aren't always getting the sleep that we need. And we need to be able to access that joy and pleasure with ease, you know, so that we can um, use that to to draw on when our babies are teething. <laughs> yes, look <laughs> the night, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's. I do think it also feeds into the relationships. So you know, the co-parents, whether that's you know, the father or another co-parent, but there's, you know, this bubble that is created around a newborn baby that kind of feeds everyone. I mean, you even see it with other care providers at birth, the doulas and and birth support people who also get that beautiful rush. It's a totally magical hormone. Totally magical. We always say as doulas, right, we're addicted to oxytocin. It's like being in that zone with people is so incredible. And that was such a beautiful description of why pleasure is so valuable in all our lives and certainly in pregnancy and birth. And I know for people that are listening, they're like, wow, Nicole, you gave us so much to think about. But is there one last thing you'd like to share or just some advice you would like to say to someone that's listening, that's preparing for a birth? Yeah, I would say, you know, really look at your own entry to life because even if it was far from perfect, there are keys and clues for you there that can create more ease and joy in your pregnancy, in your birth experience, in your postpartum, and can really, as we see, these are building blocks to the lives of your children and to your life as a parent. It's like, it's, you've got to be in there for the long haul. 
as I said, my son is 21 now and um, I'm still drawing on all of the experiences of my pregnancy and birth with him and my daughter and I. Yeah, so that is my suggestion is to start your explorations even pre-pregnancy, pre-conception if you can. And even if it feels uncomfortable or difficult, go there because birth is a doorway to healing and it opens up the capacity for lots of gifts for you and your family. Beautiful closing words. And I know that people are going to be saying, how can they reach you? Can you share some of your offerings where people can find you and follow you? Yeah, so I... I've taken over the Birth Into Being website from Elena Tanetti Vladimirova, who is the founder of the Birth Into Being method. So, you know, both of our offerings are there. Her film, Birth As We Know It, is actually our freebie. And I thoroughly recommend to download that film. So that's birthintobeing.com. We are on Facebook as Birth Into Being and Birth Into Being Australia. As you can tell, I'm Australian. And then Instagram, Birth Into Being. And yeah, I do small workshops. There are facilitators around the world who offer, you know, shorter format workshops. And at the moment, annually, we're running a 10-day intensive, which is an amazing immersive experience, which then goes on to also be a facilitator training where we're teaching other people to offer these processes. Yeah. And then for people that can't travel, like mamas with small children, who were approaching their second birth, I created an online course called Birth Into Being with Ease and Grace. So yeah, and I have another online course called Rewrite Your Story, which is not centered on procreation, but more on your own healing. So yeah, lots of different ways to work with us. Lots of different ways. And we will put all of that into the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, definitely check in the notes and look at all of Nicole's links and offering. And we always love to hear from you. So if you have a takeaway from today, please tag us both on social, share what's coming up for you in thinking about your imprint. And I thank you so much, Nicole, for being here with us today. Thank you everyone for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us again on the next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. So wishing you all pleasure. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Mm-hmm.